0: Welcome to Misunderstood, a podcast dedicated to better understanding MS and learning to live well with MS. I'm your host, Katie Sloan. Our usual reminders as we begin. I am not an expert. I'm just a person like you living with MS and trying to make the best of it. Misunderstood is based on my personal experience what I've learned from my doctors, other care providers, and my own solutions-oriented research and pattern-finding obsession. While the majority of the information I share has been vetted by doctors, I am not a doctor. My intention is that you use the information shared here as a springboard for discussion between you and your doctor regarding your future care options. And lastly, MS impacts each of us uniquely, I hope to shine a light on a wide range of approaches and strategies for living better with MS, but what you choose to do with that information is always your choice, and what works for one may not work for all. Last week, we talked about ways to best support a loved one living with MS. I'm hopeful this episode is helping families come together to openly discuss how they can support one another, as an MS diagnosis can be a challenge and impact an entire family, not just the person living with MS. This week, we're going to spend some time talking about the impending fall weather that some of us may be experiencing already, and what to expect when our MS is impacted by the temperature change to cooler weather. Many of us struggle more with heat and humidity, but cooler temperatures can also impact us. And it's good to be aware of how that can be the case so that we can put preventative measures in place to minimize our cool weather MS symptoms. Did you know that MS is more common in regions with cold climates? The highest per capita incidence is among Canadians and Northern Europeans. And within these cold climate regions, MS is more common amongst descendants from Northern European backgrounds. Certainly makes you wonder about the connections between MS and climate. My gratitude this week is actually for the season of fall. It's my new favorite season since learning to live well with MS. It means leaf peeping as the colors turn. It means leisurely yard work in cooler temperatures rather than pushing hard to get back to the safety of the indoors before 9am. It means pruning the fruit trees, deadheading the roses for the last time before I prune them way back for winter, and lovingly preparing hose lines and drip system tubing for winter. This is also the season of homemade apple cobblers and spiced pear cider and liqueur. And so today, in gratitude for fall and cooler temperatures, I want to share one of my favorite childhood stories that I always think about this time of year and have recently started thinking about in a very different way. If you've ever read Leo Leone's famous story titled Frederick, you'll remember the endearing main character, a simple field mouse named Frederick, As all the other mice in his village work tirelessly to gather and stockpile food for the winter, Frederick seems uninvolved. Over time, some of his fellow mice get quite frustrated with his apparently lazy attempts to participate in their collective frenzied preparation for winter. And yet, in the dead cold of winter, when the group has run out of food and feels scared and vulnerable, Frederick provides the group with an even more powerful version of sustenance. All along, he has prepared for winter in his own special way, by gathering rays from the sun, a rainbow of colors, and marvelous words. And these gifts, when Frederick shares them with his fellow mice, all the mice agree, provide the most powerful of comforts just when they needed it most. I've always loved this story, and yet I now love it even more for a very different reason. MS has changed me. I am no longer the workhorse I once was. And yet I'm learning that I still do have a unique value add. I may not be the one working tirelessly in traditional ways to gather and store up for the winter, but I definitely have my own gentle ways of preparation and spreading joy when it's needed most. And while I don't hold traditional employment anymore where I earn a salary, I do still provide value with this podcast, facilitation of MS support groups online, and the birth of True Medicine with Dr. Peyrovi, which you'll hear about more in a very special podcast episode coming to your ears very soon. In our society, certain types of work are often more highly valued. And it took a while for me to feel like a productive member of society again after my untimely disability retirement. As I prepare now for fall, I'm already thinking of ways that I, like Frederick, can spread joy and warmth this winter when it's needed most. I'm stocked up on cards and stamps, have prepared small gifts to send to loved ones that I will not be seeing in person this holiday season. And this year, I feel like those little things that I often do to spread the love will be even more powerful than usual. Because this winter may be extra challenging for folks for a variety of reasons, with increases in COVID-19 numbers around the country preventing many of us from being able to safely congregate with family and friends, an impending election that regardless of outcome will likely yield transitional pains continued efforts to achieve some semblance of social justice in our country, people who have been isolating at home so lonely for so long that it's daunting to think of how important it is that we continue those efforts throughout the next months with no clear end in sight. So as I prepare for winter in my own way this year, I ask you today, how can you also be a bringer of light or joy to someone's darkness or sadness or solitude this winter? How can you prepare now to brighten their darkness of winter or your own? Just think if we each chose just one small way to purposefully harvest now more light and love to bring to those in our circles this winter. How we, like Frederick, could provide for our loved ones exactly what they need most in a special way only we can provide. We've talked before about our broken thermostats in a previous episode focused primarily on how heat and humidity can impact our MS symptoms. Today we're going to look at some of the unique ways cold temperatures and other aspects of winter weather can impact us. The body's ability to regulate temperature is known as thermoregulation, which is critical to homeostasis which is the body's ability to maintain balance across all our body systems for optimal health. This is one of those involuntary processes in our bodies that we often take for granted until something like MS causes it to malfunction and go off the rails. Humans are endotherms, which means that we utilize internal temperature maintenance to achieve a fairly consistent body temperature, typically around 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit or 37 degrees Celsius, even when there is fluctuation in external environmental temperatures. It's considered normal for our body temperature to change a bit in response to some influences, such as outside temperatures or when we have a fever. Thermoregulation involves four body functions. The first, evaporation. Sweating, which vaporizes body fluids, turning them into gases. Radiation, our skin absorbs and radiates infrared heat waves. Convection, our body warms the air closest to our skin. And conduction, our body temperatures transfer from the skin to objects of different temperatures. For healthy folks, we take thermoregulation for granted, but with MS, up to 80% of us experience disease-related temperature dysregulation. Dysregulation can include both issues with overheating, like we talked about in the episode a while back, or sensitivity to extremes like heat, humidity, or cold, which is primarily what we'll focus on here today. And as we learned before, these sensitivities can cause unpleasant symptoms, including Uthoff's syndrome, blurry vision, balance problems, fatigue, or deficits in cognition or memory. So it's serious stuff. It's important to recognize that humidity is often a major culprit, and humidity does not occur only in summer as a companion to high temperatures. Most people tend to feel humidity-induced discomfort during the hot summer months the most, since the warm summer air can hold much more moisture than it can in winter. But, given that there are two principal metrics of humidity, one being absolute humidity, which is the amount of moisture actually in the air at a given time, and two, relative humidity, which is the percentage of moisture that air at a specific temperature can hold sometimes it's not so cut and dry, especially for someone whose body struggles to thermoregulate normally. I'll cite this comparison here that can help to explain. If it's 90 degrees outside and 60% relative humidity, the majority of humans will agree that that feels quite humid to them. But if it's 32 degrees Fahrenheit outside and 100% relative humidity, That cooler air is only holding about one-fifth the levels of moisture than the air on that 90-degree day. So even though the relative humidity is a higher percentage, it wouldn't feel as humid to the vast majority of people. But here's the thing. Our bodies don't thermoregulate normally, so we might. And that is why some folks who live in cooler and more damp climates, like Seattle, for instance, may feel poorly during the winter months. There are several fascinating studies that have looked at seasonal variations in relapse rates for MS over the span of 10 years or more. In places where seasonal variation has been identified, peak frequencies in spring and summer months, irrespective of latitude, have been observed. The overall peak in one study was in June, the trough in August. Relapse rates were highest in patients under the age of 30 and decreased with age. There's no evidence of different rates of seasonal relapse based on gender. This pattern was most apparent in folks with relapsing-remitting MS. Another similar study showed that the appearance of lesions on MRIs were two to three times higher in March, compared to August. Not only were more lesions found during spring and summer, but also that warmer temperatures and solar radiation were linked to increased disease activity. There was no connection found between brain lesions and precipitation. We hear so much about the importance of vitamin D in the prevention of MS progression, and yet when we look at hours of sunshine, the data doesn't make sense if we base it on vitamin D levels alone, since those summer peak months are often when our vitamin D exposure is also at its highest. This means the causes of relapses are likely to be multifaceted, and there's a need to better understand the effect of environmental factors on MS fluctuations over time. It's exciting to know that there are so many groups of researchers studying this further for us, since what they've done so far shows strong evidence of a seasonal pattern in MS activity. I'm so curious to talk with the flock on Saturday about this. I've had two major relapses. One was in December, the other in October. So my personal relapses are not aligned with this data. However, as far as when I experience major flares of existing symptoms from previous damage, it's definitely at the start of summer, when my body is trying to adjust to the extreme temperature change, and in late July and August, when the humidity peaks in my area. If you want to share your personal experience with me, I'd love to hear it. If you're like most folks living with MS, you likely spend hot summer days trying to stay cool to avoid symptom flares. But if you're also sensitive to cold temperatures, fall and winter can bring a whole new set of challenges. Most cold weather challenges for us are tightness and stiffness in muscles and joints, pain with increased spasticity and muscle spasms, both of which can impact our levels of mobility and increased depression and fatigue. Depression and fatigue are closely related to low light, whereas pain and mobility issues are more related to the cold temperatures. The good news is that just like warm weather flares subside fairly quickly with interventions, so do cold weather sensitivities, although cold sensitivities have not yet been as thoroughly researched as warm weather sensitivities for MS. For some of us, we may find that keeping warm in the winter is just as important for us as keeping cool in the summer. It all has to do with how our personal thermostat is operating and how reliably it's able to thermoregulate our bodies. MS impacts how well our bodies regulate temperatures and can also impact how our body feels and adjusts to temperature changes. In some cases, thermoregulation is further impacted by lesions in the brain, in the part of the brain that controls temperature regulation. Or some people might have a brain lesion in an area that should respond to decreased temperatures, for example, by initiating shivering so we can warm up again. Apparently, I'm like most people with MS, where the cooler weather can have what's called a dual response, where some of our symptoms get better while others may get worse. For folks with MS, winter months can be tough. Shorter days can result in us feeling more fatigued than usual and impact our sleeping patterns and overall quality of sleep. As we know from researching sleep in another episode, a lack of quality restorative sleep causes a wide range of symptoms, from depression and anxiety to a lack of ability to focus and other symptoms. It's believed that winter increases in spasticity as well as higher levels of experienced pain, and that's likely related to nerve damage. Often, more people experience the MS hug in cold winter months, or if they experience it year-round, it's often more extreme in the cold. Other symptoms like numbness, tingling, and trigeminal neuralgia are often also worse in the cold weather. A smaller number of people living with MS also experience greater bladder urgency in cold weather. Renoid syndrome can be triggered by the cold too, and that's when our blood vessels, most commonly in our fingers and toes, narrows because of the cold. This can result in the area around our nails turning from our normal skin tone to white and then blue, and can be very painful. In addition to pain, if you suffer from Renaud's, you might feel numbness or like someone is sticking you with pins and needles. My mom suffered with Renaud's for about 20 years until one day it went away for good. But I remember she always carried hand warmers in her purse to ease the pain in winter, and activities like skiing were not easy or fun for her because of the cold. The other good news here is that cold weather sensitivity usually doesn't last all winter. Once our bodies adjust, we tend to have an easier go of it. I've definitely noticed this to be true for me, and not only in the cold weather. I have a hard time throughout the year as temperatures drastically change, and then over time I gradually acclimatize and adjust. Those especially difficult times of year also happen to be the times of year where each day we experience a wider range in daily temperatures than normal. So in March, for example, when it's not unusual for us to experience our first triple digit day, we're also still dipping into the 30s at night. And now, in October, as I'm recording this episode, it's 91 degrees today, yet we'll be dipping into the low 40s tonight, with our first dip into the 30s predicted in just a few days. I can feel it. I know the cold is coming. The last two days, I've experienced slight chills in the early evening and had to go bundle up in fleece clothing, even though temperatures really aren't that low here yet. These unpredictable times of year are also tough on our bodies because the weather can fluctuate dramatically from day to day. Once each season has stabilized and become more consistent, so will our symptoms. (coughs) Let's explore some strategies to help us manage any cold weather symptoms we might experience. The first is dress in layers. Wearing layers helps us to both stay warm and stay cool by easily adding or subtracting a layer to maintain a comfortable temperature. When we layer a thin, long sleeve shirt with a sweater and a lightweight jacket, for instance, we can more easily adapt to fluctuating temperatures for easier temperature regulation. We lose the most heat quickly through our extremities, so wearing hats, thick socks and boots, and lined gloves helps keep the lid on our body warmth. Thermal socks, thermal underwear, or fleece-lined tights can be good options if we are often cold. Fleecy gloves, hats, a scarf, and a good coat can make going out much easier. In most geographic regions, the temperature outside may change drastically throughout the day. And indoors, most buildings are heated in winter, so since we might go from a hot building to a cold car outside in just minutes, we should prepare ourselves for comfort through layering. I've shared my favorite layering pieces before, but I'll share here quickly again. I wear Cuddle Duds layering pieces all year long. They wick to keep me cool, yet also keep me warm. They are the perfect regulators and gentle on the skin. With the following pieces, I'm ready for anything, tank top, short sleeve t-shirt, long sleeve t-shirt, leggings. They also make some additional fleece layering pieces like a zip hoodie or super cozy socks. Cuddle duds are widely available and often very inexpensive at Kohl's. Another strategy is to pay special attention to our head, hands, and feet since research shows that we lose approximately 50% of our body's warmth through our heads. It's important to keep our hands and feet warm because doctors believe that MS can cause blood vessels in our hands and feet to overreact to the cold. We also talked earlier about the risk of rhinoids. Wearing gloves with some type of grip can help us hold on to things, which can be very important if we rely on handrails, canes, or wheelchairs and need to be able to feel what we're doing in order to be careful and safe. We can protect our hands with hand warmers. I found a similar product to the ones my mom used to use called Hot Snaps Hand and Pocket Warmers. These warmers are truly amazing. There's an internal piece of metal that you snap, which generates instant heat reaching up to 130 degrees. The internal chemical reaction generates long-lasting heat up to an hour. And after you use them, you boil them in water for 15 minutes to return them to their normal state and they're ready to be used again and again. They come with a lifetime warranty and for under 20 bucks you get four hand warmers and four pocket warmers. Pretty good deal for a reliable and eco-friendly hand-warming tool. We can also stay comfortable in winter by finding our personal temperature comfort zone and reducing temperature variance. Our ideal temperature is the Goldilocks temperature or temperature range that feels just right to us. And this varies greatly by person. Once we know our ideal temperature or temperature range, It's best to maintain this ideal temperature in our body and environment. And when we accomplish this, our weather-related symptoms will gradually subside. Maintaining awareness of our comfort zone and making micro adjustments as soon as we begin feeling too cold or too warm can really help. In reducing our temperature variance, we can avoid big shocks to our bodies. If our house or car is excessively hot, then it will be a bigger shock to our system when we step outside. We don't wanna go to extremes when it comes to temperature. If we drive, preheating the car before setting out can make a big difference if we're sensitive to the cold. I've only used remote start a few times, but I can tell you that it's a lovely feature both in hot and cold temperatures. In our newer vehicles, we have heated seats and steering wheels, which are really helpful There's also a variety of heated steering wheel covers available if you want to add this feature to a vehicle aftermarket. Sometimes we can tend to get a little emotionally sensitive when we get too cold and often may take hot baths or showers to warm us up. Remember though that with MS, excessive heat is not our friend. So bundling up rather than taking a hot bath or shower that may further shock our system is a wise choice. We should be careful to monitor the heat levels inside because overcompensating with excessive heat can exacerbate our MS. So maintaining a moderate indoor temperature is especially important. A cozy fireplace can seem like a natural way to deal with the cold, but be careful. Extreme heat is not our friend. In the end, err on the side of moderation. We use clothing as our heater most of the winter, with the exception of using our gas fireplace in our living room. The smartest way for us to warm up safely is to warm up from the inside out. We can keep our insides warm by drinking warm drinks or eating soup. Drinking a cup of tea can also help us keep our hands warm when it's cold. Eating hot food and drinking warm beverages like a cup of hot chocolate, tea, or cider can take the chill off and warm our body's core much faster. Interestingly, drinking or eating warm foods is not associated with Avtoff's phenomenon. It's also important in winter to check our vitamin D levels. With cold temperatures and low light comes a lack of vitamin D. We can talk with our neurologist to see if we might benefit from a vitamin D supplement. Sitting outside in the sun is the easiest way to get some vitamin D. Even on crisp fall and cold winter days, who doesn't love the feeling of sunshine on their shoulders? Step outside and soak up some rays. We'll warm up and we'll help our body make some much needed vitamin D. An added benefit? A little sunshine might help boost our mood. And as much as we can stand to be outside during the warmest part of a sunny winter day, do it, within reason, of course. We should also plan for our normal body temperature fluctuations. Each of us has unique temperature fluctuations. For example, some women's body temperatures rise a detectable amount during different times of their cycle, most often when they're ovulating. And our temperature rises gradually as we transition from middle age to senior status. For me personally, I know that I tend to get cold around 4 p.m. So planning ahead to get warm before I get cold has proven to be a good strategy for me, as it's a lot easier for me than trying to warm up when I'm already cold. This has always been an important strategy for me when camping and backpacking, yet now with MS it's more important than ever to know my personal thermostat functionality and plan accordingly to help maintain my comfort level for optimal functionality. If we're struggling with increased spasticity, we can consider discussing medications for treating spasticity with our neurologist. Muscle relaxers, such as baclofen, can help control spasms and relax tightened muscles. I take low-level baclofen and believe it helps me, as does CBD and THC. Acupuncture, specifically gua sha and cupping, can also help a ton. Another way to help our bodies stay more nimble in the cold is to increase our stretching regimens and to increase mobility and reduce muscle stiffness. Restorative yoga, for example, can help warm us up and stretch out our bodies without causing us to overheat. A monthly massage, and sometimes more frequent in winter, used to help me stay nimble, but this year, my massage parlor is closed due to COVID-19. On mymsteam.org, I read a testimonial this summer by a gentleman who highly recommended a back-stretching mat. I recently purchased one and I want to mention it here because I've used it twice in the past few days and my early assessment is that it's wonderful and worth every penny and will help me a ton this winter. It's made by a company called Belmont and it is a back-stretching electric mat. I'll post the link on Patreon. It has four stretching programs for physiotherapy at home, full back and body relaxation release of lumbar tension, muscle soreness, and back pain. In the product description, it says, whether you're suffering from neck, back, shoulder pains, lower back, or sciatica pains, our stretching mat will be your indispensable relief provider. With just this electric massage mat, you can tackle all the above and get the much-needed decompression and muscle relaxation you need and improve your life in a few effortless automatic steps. Our electric mat with four automatic stretching functions brings advanced technology together with medical knowledge. Our mat automatically takes you through four unique massage stretch functions engineered to offer maximum relief. Choose from stretch, flow, energize, or twist, and hit all the right spots as the mat does all the work for you on autopilot. I have to say, it's a pretty cool mat, and for $149, even with only using it twice so far, it was about the cost of two massages. When we are cold, we should remember it's important to use heating aids wisely and with caution. Since MS can impact how we experience hot and cold on our skin, we should make sure our heating pads, hot water bottles, or electric blankets are not too hot or directly next to our skin, or we can end up with blisters or burns, in addition to other unpleasant skin or nerve sensations. In a similar fashion, we should limit our hot showers and baths. Though it's a tempting way to warm up, hot water can dry our skin considerably. Also, very hot showers can dangerously overheat our body. Keeping showers short and lukewarm can help maintain healthy, well-moisturized skin, as well as a safe core body temperature. We should avoid overheating and overdoing it when trying to get or stay warm. And while a hot bath might sound nice, just a slight rise in body temperature could cause a temporary worsening of our MS symptoms. We should be sure to keep our skin well moisturized. Our skin is our largest organ in our body with a total area of about 20 square feet. Our skin protects us from microbes and the elements, helps regulate our body temperature, and permits the sensations of touch, heat, and cold. Our skin has three layers. The epidermis, which is the outermost layer of our skin, provides a waterproof barrier and creates our skin tone. We should moisturize regularly to keep our skin from feeling burned from outdoor cold temperatures. When applied directly after showering to damp skin, creams and ointments lock in moisture while it's still there. We should avoid alcohol-based lotions or gels as they deplete our skin's moisture also using unscented moisturizing soaps during the winter helps minimize skin irritation we can use ewg.org to find safe toxin-free moisturizers and soaps i love the body butters and shampoo and lotion bars from chagrin valley soap and salve My mother-in-law also gets me great Josie Moran Argon oil products that keep my skin happy in cold weather. Another way to help winter symptoms is to exercise daily. Moving our body warms it up and helps relieve stiffness. Exercise need not be extreme to be effective. In fact, simple stretching or yoga is often recommended for people experiencing spasms and other muscular discomfort. We should always communicate with our doctor before beginning any new exercise routine. But moving around regularly improves our circulation and minimizes muscle stiffness brought on by the cold. If we are sitting for long periods of time, a fleecy blanket that we can wrap around us can work wonders. Some of them even have sleeves, which can be really helpful. Whenever possible, we should try to keep moving, With MS, there may be times when we find we can't move around as easily as we'd like. When we can, moderate physical activity like walking or stretching will help us burn energy and warm up. Avoiding alcohol, or at least limiting our intake, is another way to help regulate our temperature and keep it in our optimal range. Alcohol can make us think we're warm, but here's what actually happens. When we drink, it dilates the peripheral blood vessels near our skin. As a result, more blood and heat flows to these vessels. That takes blood and heat away from the core of our body. So while it feels like we're warm because our skin is warm, our vital organs aren't as warm, and we might think they are. If we go out in the cold after drinking, we can lose peripheral heat very easily and quickly, and that can be dangerous for us. We should also remember to prepare for the cold and winterize our gear. Just like our vehicles may need to be winterized, so may our mobility aids, like canes, walkers, or wheelchairs, or even the soles of our shoes. It's good to have a maintenance plan to schedule for this before it's actually needed. For wheelchairs, for example, we may need to check tire pressure and tire treads to ensure we'll be able to use them safely on wet and slippery surfaces. If we use canes or walkers, we might benefit from ice tips to prevent slipping. We could also consider hiking boots or other shoes with deep, rugged treads or get spiked shoe covers. If we use a wheelchair, it might be worth investing in waterproof pants and boots, since sleet and snow can kick up onto our clothing, leaving us wet and cold. It's always smart to plan extra time for travel so we can traverse icy roads, parking lots, and sidewalks safely and not feel rushed. Planning a little extra time so we can move slowly and safely makes a lot of sense for us. In a similar way, we can strategize ahead of time to minimize holiday stress. Holidays are wonderful and can be stressful. Schedules are often demanding and when we visit other people's homes, we are at their mercy as far as temperatures go. So planning ahead by carefully choosing a layered outfit and even having a conversation with your host about house temperatures can be helpful. This year, we may not be traveling to be with family due to COVID-19, but we can still plan ahead for the holidays to minimize stressors by mailing packages early, for example. If we aren't going anywhere, but disagree about household temperature with people we live with, have them listen to this episode and strategize together ways we can improve our collective comfort this winter. We can also get some gear to better manage our personal microclimate, like a handheld fan to keep us cool, or a heating pad for our lap to keep us warm. There are also thermostats with remote controls to make temperature management easier. I love our Nest thermostat that I can control with my cell phone. When our home is open to visitors, I like to make sure people know ahead of time that we maintain a home temperature of 68 to 72 degrees, and to pack appropriately for their comfort. Our house is rarely too warm for others. I keep several unisex wraps and extra blankets stocked in the guest suite. Tracking our symptoms to help us understand our own temperature nuances is important. It's helpful for us to take notes of any seasonal changes we experience to share with our neurologist, so we can notice trends over the years, which we can then better learn to navigate well. By paying attention to our body, we'll be more likely able to tell if a sensation like numbness is a result of the cold or a worsening of our MS symptoms. Cold weather can certainly have an impact on our MS symptoms, but there are other ways that colder seasons can impact us as well, so it's important to stay in tune with how we are feeling. First, we talked a bit about vitamin D, but let's look at that a little more in depth, since limited sunlight exposure can impact our vitamin D levels. Sunlight helps our bodies make active vitamin D. If we limit our sunlight too much, for example, by avoiding our daily walk in the neighborhood because we think it's too cold, that can put us at a risk of vitamin D deficiency, which can make our MS symptoms worse and even trigger a relapse. Increased depression rates are also linked to vitamin D deficiency. In the winter, viruses are more common, so our susceptibility to infection may be higher. Infections often trigger an MS relapse. Even a few days with the common flu can make our MS symptoms worse, even requiring hospitalization and further treatment interventions. As Benjamin Franklin said, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And although we can't avoid every illness, doing what we can to prevent illness as much as possible makes a ton of sense, especially in COVID-19 times when we're faced with a virus much more deadly. As we are all aware, basic prevention techniques like washing our hands and using hand sanitizer can be very effective prevention strategies. In addition, maintaining a healthy lifestyle can help keep our immune system ready for when we do come into contact with a virus. Let's not forget about the importance of regularly sanitizing frequently touched surfaces. Did you know that computer keyboards, cell phones, remotes for TV and other devices, and doorknobs and faucets are some of the germiest locations in our homes? Cleaning those at least twice a week, if not daily, is really smart any winter, and especially this winter in the midst of COVID-19. For many of us, a helpful stay healthy strategy can be getting a flu shot. For the vast majority of us, there is no good reason to avoid vaccines. They don't offer 100% protection, but we are far less likely to get seriously ill from the flu if we've been vaccinated against it. Some of us, like me, have had adverse reactions to the flu vaccine in the past. We should talk with our doctors about that to see if there are other alternatives or if it still might be worth the risk. Sometimes we can take supplements to help us stay well, although research is limited on most of them. There is some evidence that vitamin C, Echinacea and elderberry can offer some protection, but it's not widely supported because supplements are largely unregulated and untested. I've personally experienced great results with elderberry syrup, but it's important to read the warnings and understand how it works and when it's advised to take it. For instance, there have been several recent reports that elderberry syrup, because of the way it works in our bodies, might not be smart right now. Elderberry can potentially stimulate what is called a psychotine storm. This storm was considered a major cause of fatalities during the SARS epidemic, and some have reported that might be similar for COVID-19. So especially since there's not a lot of research and regulation on supplements, it's good to be aware and knowledgeable so that you can balance risks and rewards. In a similar way to elderberry syrup, we can also use essential oils like OnGuard to offer some protection. This essential oil blend is advertised as a protective blend and is used to support the immune system and help kill off harmful bacteria and viruses. It contains a blend of five essential oils, wild orange peel, clove bud, cinnamon bark and leaf, and eucalyptus leaf. This protective blend can be taken internally to support respiratory function and the body's natural antioxidant defenses. I also use OnGuard cleaner around the house and especially on high touch surfaces. Using OnGuard internally at the first sign of illness has brought me back to good health overnight many times over the years. And while we can't prevent every single illness, Finding ways to protect ourselves that work for us and our families is important. Allowing our immune system to do its thing can often work, but there's also plenty of reasons, especially this year, to do more to avoid viruses as much as possible. Sometimes people experience seasonal allergies at their worst during fall or winter. And that could mean an increase in MS symptoms as well, since allergies often trigger an increase in our MS symptoms. Zyrtec isn't just for spring and summer. It's important that we each understand our typical allergy pattern so that we can adjust course accordingly and minimize the negative effects. Let's also talk a bit about melatonin. We know from our episode on sleep that melatonin is a naturally occurring hormone in the body that regulates our internal body clock and sleep cycles. Researchers are testing their belief that melatonin could play a protective role for us during winter. Peak melatonin levels in the body occur during the darker months, and we've already talked about the fact that fewer MS relapses occur in the fall and winter. People who work the night shift often have disturbed melatonin production, and they are at higher risk of developing MS as well as other diseases. Researchers believe melatonin supplements can help combat this and assist night shift workers in maintaining healthy melatonin levels. In a recent study to confirm melatonin's protective effects in the lab, Mice, with an autoimmune condition that is widely used as an animal model of MS, it worked, and the mice showed reduced clinical symptoms and a restored balance of T cells, which are our white blood cells that play an integral role in a high-functioning immune system. Melatonin was able to reduce the number of harmful T cells, the ones that promote inflammation, while increasing regulatory T cells, which are defense bodies that keep our immune system in check. Researchers were able to observe comparable effects in human cells in the lab, but there's much more research to be done before they're sure this could be a solution and move to human trials. But this is still really exciting, since melatonin regulates pathways central to a healthy immune response. This might help a lot of people with other autoimmune diseases as well, particularly lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. Keep an eye out for upcoming clinical trials, if it interests you. There's one more topic for us to cover today that I found to be interesting and relevant research, and that is the commonalities between MS and Seasonal Affective Disorder, or SAD. It's important to understand these commonalities for two reasons. One, we might mistakenly assume we're having an MS exacerbation, but could actually be experiencing SAD instead. And there are four symptoms that MS and SAD have in common. 1. Fatigue. Fatigue is one of the most prevalent symptoms for us, and yet it's also one of the top symptoms reported by those affected by SAD. Keeping a symptom journal can help us to identify seasonal patterns and help us differentiate between MS and SAD. Sleep disorders. Again, sleep disorders are quite common for both MS and SAD. Common symptoms include sleeping longer, interrupted sleep, and an overall greater need for sleep. Problems with concentration. With MS, it's common to experience cognitive or visual issues that can affect our ability to focus or concentrate. People experiencing SAD also have trouble concentrating. And mood changes. With both MS and SAD, Often, we might experience mood changes that result in us preferring to isolate ourselves, opt out of commitments, and avoid contact. With both MS and SAD, we can feel very alone and find ourselves falling into a state of depression. And problems with fatigue, sleep, mood, or concentration can reduce our ability to make good decisions. That can further impact any state of depression we might be experiencing. So it's important, again, to keep a journal and inform our neurologist of anything noteworthy. The main difference between MS and SAD is that if we suffer from SAD, it will most likely happen around the same time every year, and our MS symptoms are typically more sporadic, although there are some patterns that may appear over time as we become more adept at observing and recording our symptoms. Some people that experience SAD say their symptoms are so routinized that they can accurately predict when they will occur. If we're not sure if we're experiencing MS symptoms or experiencing SAD, the good news is that SAD symptoms are often mitigated by some of the very same strategies that are recommended for MS, making it both more confusing to determine the exact origin of our symptoms, but also a bit of a relief. In that implementation of these strategies can help both ailments. Strategies to reduce SAD symptoms are, 1. Spend time every day outside, even if it's cloudy. 2. Eat healthy foods and exercise daily. And 3. Consider light therapy. There are special lights that stimulate natural light and can benefit those suffering from SAD. My hope is that after listening to this episode, we one, all understand how cold temperatures can impact us and our MS symptoms just as much as heat can. Two, that we have some strategies in place to help keep our temperature in our ideal temperature zone this winter to minimize our cold induced symptoms. And three, That we can each find ways to channel our inner Frederick this year to help bring more love and light to those we love when they need it most in the dark winter months ahead. (coughs) Next week, I will be taking a short break from the podcast to accomplish a few important tasks. One, I'll be meeting with several experts to figure out our healthcare plan moving forward for both Eric and I, since I was recently approved for Medicare and we need to transition ASAP from Cobra. Two, I'll be clearing space in the garage for my new and improved exercise area. Since it's cooler now, I'll be able to get back to my usual exercise routine, and I have a few new additions arriving soon that require additional space. And three, we'll be planting over 600 bulbs in the yard to commemorate Ivy's passing so that in the spring, our yard will be packed with cheerful flowers in her honor. During this misunderstood hiatus for a week, I hope you as well can use the time you usually use to listen to this podcast to accomplish some element of self-care for yourself. Treat yourself, and I'll look forward to being back again next week. We have several very exciting episodes coming up, so stay tuned. Following this and every episode, I offer Zoom sessions for our Patreon listeners to discuss the episode's topic together. I hope you will join us. Become a patron on patreon.com slash msflock for the Zoom session schedule and invitation links. Membership is only $1 a month to access these important flockings and more content. Flock members, I look forward to seeing you Saturday where we can continue this discussion on our cold weather MS symptoms and how we're planning to channel our inner Frederick this winter. As always, I encourage all listeners to reach out with questions, comments, future podcast ideas, or guest ideas via email to mymsflock at gmail.com. And lastly, remember, as we travel through life with MS we're certain to hit some turbulence. We'll get through it, especially if we're flying together, supporting one another. Thank you for listening. And until next time, be well.